2: Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind Bike Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you.
3: Hello, welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar podcast. My name is Simon von Bromley and I am joined today by Warren Roster and Tom Marvin, two of our senior technical editors here at BikeRadar.com. And today we are going to discuss how to get through your first winter on a gravel bike. Now, it's not a topic that I know very much about, but I am very interested in it. I'm building up a gravel bike currently and I'm kind of a bit hesitant about winter to be honest because of the last conversation we had Tom you warned me about (laughs) tyres.
2: There's a plethora of options out there you've got to get it right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm probably just going to be scared into inaction but once we've been through this podcast I'll have all the knowledge and I'll be able to get through it. So let's just let's just dive into it. What are the specific challenges of gravel riding in winter? We'll start with you Waz. First off
0: Keeping everything clean and therefore not completely ruining it in a few weeks, which is a very, very, uh, almost, almost a certainty. And that's not just your bike, that's your kit, that's your soul. Everything can just be destroyed (laughs) by mud and grit and and everything that gets into it. I say this after being on a, a big long gravel ride yesterday and because i was on a test bike the bike wasn't as equipped as it should have been or as i would have liked and i had a couple of why won't this tire seal moments in the middle of nowhere in a rainstorm covered to mm. yeah, toe in crap basically so um yeah i knew i was recording this today and it was like oh practice what you preach please <laughs> <laughs> and i just didn't <laughs>
3: what do you think about that, Tom? Is that is that is that the kind of major theme? I, I, the kind of vibe that I get off most gravel riders, in inverted commas, is that essentially you become a mud rider in mm. the winter. Is that right?
2: Certainly here in the UK, I think uh, a lot of your focus is going to be, can I stay on my bike when I'm riding through mud? Have I got traction in the mud? How does my kit work in the mud? <laughs> and am I comfortable being absolutely covered in mud? Um, so mud is a very regular theme, especially if you do plan to keep riding Actual, I guess, like in inverted commas, actual UK gravel through into. Because I guess the nice thing about a gravel bike is that they are so versatile that when the weather isn't so particularly nice, you can probably swing your bias from off road towards on road a little bit uh, when you winter gravel ride.
0: I mean, I I would certainly say plan your routes effectively and cleverly. This time of year, if you're in the UK or almost a kind of Northern Europe, um, avoid brighter ways. Avoid anything that's more footpath than it is um, anything else. So look for those trails that you ride every time at the rest of the year. They're either really, really hard-packed sand or gravel or even sort of unmetalled roads, which can include where I am. There's lots of military roads, which are sort of part concrete, part sand, part rock, and they're they're good in the winter. Mm. Whereas when you deviate off to those bridleways and things that have been completely destroyed by horses or farm tracks that have been completely destroyed by tractors and four-wheel drives, you're not on a gravel ride, you're on a very long walk. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite similar, actually, in in summer as well. I I try and
2: dodge, you know, this sort of season specificity, uh, which is a word I just created, um, (laughs) of gravel riding is really interesting, especially if you're coming from the road where you just ride on the roads, right? In gravel riding, maybe you have to think a little bit more about the conditions. In the summer, I tend to try and avoid riding with Russ Burton, our photographer, um, who has a penchant for riding through nettles. Um, so come sort of mid-late summer, I, I generally try and avoid riding with him because I know that he doesn't care and I hate nettles. Fortunately, in winter, those nettles have died down. So actually, you find there's quite a lot of tracks around Bristol that I'll avoid in the summer, but I might head to in the winter or use as convenient cut-throughs because I know that vegetation has died down. And actually, while they might be a little bit muddy and a bit greasy here and
0: there, actually, they're quite useful. Full little bits of track that otherwise I avoid.
3: So let's let's sorry, was no, no. It's
0: on that on that point you just mentioned, him, Russell. I mean, I fully concur with that. He <laughs> does do that a lot, but I always get my own back on him whenever we're doing gravel shoots, and I make him lay down in fence. <laughs> and then he does get a bit complaining about it.
3: Let's kind of move on to a kind of the kind of the, the big topic I think of this podcast you know what or one of the big topics is, is going to be tire choice now you've mentioned kind of like route adjustments there and the things that you might do to, to kind of you know take into consideration the conditions now is it a case that you know if you're going to do more road you might just go for a kind of a slicker roady tire maybe something you know that's not as big or do, do you are you kind of think Think that most people would be better served by going for like a basically a full-on mud tire with big knobbly tread, you know, or, or is it going to be? It's going to depend on where you live, what kind of trails you got access to.
2: I think it probably depends on a bit on your attitude to to riding, um, as much as sort of the mix of on-road to off-road, how comfortable you are in a situation where maybe your tires don't have a huge amount of grip, and what you kind of want to get out of it. Like I quite like the slipping and sliding around in the woods, but at the same time, I also quite like. Riding fast through mud and, and dirty stuff, so actually I tend to go for a nobblier tire and put up with a bit more buzz on the road. But I know people who will err towards you know those winter gravel rides, which are a little bit more time up base, and therefore they'll pick a a fatter, slicker tire for sort of the comfort and grip on there, and just put up with
0: maybe feeling a bit sketchy off road. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I'm, I'm the same. I do you know I I think it goes for me gravel riding all year round that I like. The big wide open gravel roads but they're not the reason i'm out there because mm. i just like to ride lots of natural single track in through the woods sheep trails that, that traverse hillsides and things like that where you feel like you're really really getting out there and you get that challenge of being on a gravel bike whereas if you doing on a pretty modern mountain bike lots of that stuff is fairly tame and fairly you know it just feels easy because the modern mountain bike is so brilliant at everything that it does I enjoy the challenge and I like that challenge to continue through the winter. But on the flip side, you know, one of my bikes, um, which is actually, you know, uh, uh, one of those versatile kind of do-it-all-roaders is actually, you know, the the Venon Evo. Through this winter, I've been running that with um, Michelin's Adventure Gravel Speed, I think it is. So it's like a 45C tire, but uh, effectively, it's it's like a sort of siped slick. and that in wet, greasy, leaf-strewn conditions of, of the winter is epic. It's terrible mm. in gravel, but on the road, it's brilliant. And, and so I think if you're not the sort of person who's going to go out and get filthy and that sort of stuff, but you will keep on riding your gravel bike, I think that that kind of big road slick is going to give you the comfort, it's going to give you the grip, it's going to give you the security that you probably wouldn't get from a 28C mm. winter tyre. Um, and that's fun, and that's really good. But I'm, I'm like Tom, you know, I'm... I'm already picking and choosing knobbly mud tires to go on on my gravel bikes to get out, and it's all surprising just
2: how much extra grip you can get from them as well. Like I tend to swap between two tires, like a, a Maxxis Rambler, which is my sort of go-to probably eight month of the year tire. You know, it's it's a moderately aggressive tire in some respects, but like it rolls pretty well on road, but works really well off road in like a whole host of generally less disgusting conditions. And then in the winter, I'll put on a set of Schwalbe G1 Ultra Bites, which I found last winter were really good in the mud. You just plug away, keep spinning those cranks, kind of get up and over everything. But what was interesting, I guess, is the attitude of those two tyres is different in mud. Like the, the Maxxis that I'm running, they're quite broad, fat tyres that give you loads of comfort and they'll give you loads of grip in those sort of intermediate to dry conditions because of their volume. You can run them at low pressures and they just feel like you're floating over everything but the Schwalbe tires are a slightly narrower tire than the ones I've got at least, and they cut through the mud. So I guess if you're, again, coming from a road-based background, there's two attitudes, you know, there's two sort of styles of, of winter tire. Do you go for fat, floaty ones, or do you go for thin ones that are going to cut through? And that's kind of, maybe kind of location and mud dependent, but something that maybe you're going to have to experiment with.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Staud, or go full '90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been using the Tufo Swampero because, mm-hmm. like, throughout most of the summer, I was using the Thundero, which right. is there. Kind of close knobbled, still fairly aggressive tread, but very, very fast and quick on a road. And the Swamp Arrow, they've spaced their blocks out a little bit more. It's got a much more defined shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things that if you're sort of fresh to gravel, but you're predominantly on a road, a good winter riding gravel with all the downsides of being filthy all the time and etc. cetera, is a huge boost to your bike handling confidence. Because there's those moments when you get that little bit of rear wheel slip or the front, you know, your front is starting to slip and kind of letting it go and then feeling it bite. You you learn so much about yourself, you know, and it's that it, you get you kind of get into the flow of riding in, in poor conditions. Tom will have this most because he rides mountain bikes. You know, most of the time is that it's almost like knowing when to let the bike do what it wants to do, but finding the right moment to catch it and and not. You know, so so the huge benefits to riding, I think, riding gravel in the winter is like you know it will make you a better rider, not necessarily a better person, <laughs> uh, not very, not necessarily popular in your household, but but it will make you a better rider.
3: What about things like um, you know you mentioned tubeless at the start, and, I, and I'll just you know obviously you mentioned tubeless woes to a degree, but I'm guessing that you guys are both 100 sold on tubeless. Oh, completely, yeah. but but in
0: my kind of winter you know, um, bar bag or saddle pack or whatever, I'll always have a tube. Okay. Because the last thing you want to be doing is trying to plug and seal a tubeless tyre that's had a bit of a moment. <laughs> when you're in the rain or it's freezing or you're wet or whatever, if you can just sh- shove a tube in there mm. and just get home, then fine.
2: But at the same time, a big tyre lever. I've got some big of the design
0: ones that I like. I don't know,
2: six, seven inches long, big plastic, bright yellow as well, so you can always find them when they fall on the floor, and those <laughs> things will get any tyre on and off. Because obviously, you know, narrow tyres on narrow rims can be a real pain to get off. So, uh, yeah, big tyre levers along with your tubes. Yeah, it's, it's almost
0: like, you know, your essentials that you take with you on a ride are are, are just as important as the clothes you wear and the kit you put on your bike. You know, you just want to be... <sighs> You know, you want to be the Boy Scout on it. You want to be equipped for everything. You don't want to, like, go, oh, why haven't I got that? Mm, Big shout out to the high-volume pumps as well. Don't take your little...
2: You know, pocket rocket roadie up to 120 psi pump that's going to take you 70, well, hundreds of strokes to get up to, you know, 25 <laughs> psi. Take your big boy mountain bike pump and uh, get it up there in 50 strokes.
3: <laughs> and what about like, and you know, it's a good a good segue. I was going to ask you about tyre pressure. Mm. You know, what are we doing now? Obviously, as a roadie, I might say, you know, if it's wet outside, I'll drop my front tyre five or ten psi or something like that are we doing a similar thing i mean obviously five or ten psi out of a gravel tire at 30 psi to be that's, to be that's most gone, of it right? so what you know what kind of adjustments are you guys making i mean really it depends on where, what your you're riding on you know i don't tend to make much
0: of an adjustment if i'm predominantly going to be on hard packed stuff or tarmac you know maybe subtle um just one or two psi but if i know it's going to be a wet sloppy whatever i'll try and go as low as i can get away with i mean i do have a bit of a cheat on that because i've got one of those um thumper like micro compressors which actually fits in my bar bag mm. and you know a full usb charge on that will it, it inflate and de-inflate a tire probably 15 times before it runs out of gas it's
2: like one of those mad like russian 16 wheeler things with like on the fly tire <laughs> <pressure>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah. so
0: literally i can you know i can ride with a, a firm tire on the tarmac to get to almost like the trailhead bang a load of pressure out of it, mm. do all my gravel stuff, and then when I've got the ride home, I can just pff, pop yeah. them back up. Whilst
3: on. you're sitting at the cafe, yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah, have yeah. to say
0: that I probably... I mean, it's, it was a big investment, but...
2: It's,
3: worth, sure.
0: well, well. it's actually
2: worth
3: it. You could do the same thing of a pump if you were really interested, I suppose, couldn't you? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I think in winter, for me, like inserts come into their own, and you know, inserts they feel like one of those techie things that are going to put off a lot of new riders, but actually they're they're pretty simple to. Do you want to get just explain around. what an insert is? Yeah, so it's basically a foam ring that sits within the tyre. Um, and they they propel various different benefits depending on the brand and what they do. Some of them will give you extra tyre stability. Some of them will just sort of float in the middle of the tyre, especially on by 1s. But the idea is that, you know, when you hit, like, a curb, your tyre around the curb, sort of compresses uh, and it might sort of bump into the rim you'll get a bit of a clunk and you might pinch your tyre and the point of an insert is to provide some protection for your tyre from those bottom outs from the pinch punctures Um, and it kind of means you can get away with slightly lower pressures. so in the winter i'll run an insert especially on the back and maybe i will drop my pressures a couple of psi here and there it just means that when you sort of transition you know a lot of the trails around bristol you'll be transitioning from like concrete slab onto a bit of dirt as you're going through a farm or they'll be rattling through some rocky little bits of single track and it just gives you that bit of confidence to not get those punctures but benefit from you know peer size you know maybe the low 20s or low mid 20s whereas normally the high
0: 20s early 30s do
3: you ride with inserts as, well as
0: i do yeah yeah uh, mainly because i had a couple of experiences where i've torn a tire and it's been a hugely long walk home or a begging phone call usually to ross mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a call back um Uh, And it's like, it's just that sort of get home thing because you can ride slowly home on a deflated tyre that's got an insert in it and not worry too much about would damaging
3: protect, your, rim. your Yeah, like I say, it would help protect your rims as well. Mm. Quite useful if you've got a nice set of carbon <laughs> gravel wheels. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what are we doing to kind of like maintain maintain our bikes? Is it, is it just to kind of like clean it after every single ride, that kind of thing?
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I can't sort of stress that enough. It's like, and most of that kind of grit and filth, you just don't want to leave on there. You want to get get shot of it as quickly as possible because especially that where where i am where it's a lot of there's a lot of limestone a lot of sandstone the sort of mud you get turns into a fine cutting paste and (laughs) so if it's in connection with anything and that can be you know if um if if you're dealing with a bike that's got any sort of form of suspension say like you know i've got a candel topstone which has got the pivot on the back i do not want grit to get into that pivot and start wearing away the carbon and, and. missing those tolerances or if you're you know if you're running a gravel suspension fork i mean mountain bikers know this just to wipe your stanchions down whatever or it will kill seals basically ruin your fork or you'll have a really expensive bill to get them rebuilt so just keep all of those moving surfaces clean um right down to the simplest thing like if you if you get a load of that gritty mud and stuff all over your cables and your cables rubbing on your frame they'll rub through the paint in minutes and and then you'll You'll hate yourself for mm. it.
3: Yeah, I mean, if that's happened with this, I know that people have them with uh, frame bags and things like that. You know, yeah. people rubbing through carbon yeah. carbon top tubes with Jack a frame back. bag. <laughs> well, I didn't want to name names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like,
0: and all your accessories, that you know, if you're yeah. putting bar bags or top bags or whatever on the bike, clean those as well. Because if they've got ingrained dirt and sand in them, they'd literally mm. become, you know, they're layers of sandpaper you're, you're strapping to your bike. Lucky tape. I quite often will wrap, if I'm going to run, you know, a bar bag or a
2: frame bag or whatever it is, load of wraps of leaky tape and reapply every now and again. The other thing I'll do on, if I'm going on like, a you know, in the winter, sort of most people I guess are going to do slightly shorter rides than they might in the summer. It might only be a couple of hours here and there. And, and that's sort of, your bike's you going to feel fine at the end of it, but give it a good clean, clean the drivetrain, clean through the brakes as well, because all the grime off the road, if it gets into your brake pads, it's never a nice thing. So keep on top of that. But if you are going to go for like longer winter rides... Um, you know, your bottle of water I will sometimes scooch over my fork seals. If, like, say you're early on and, like, you're going for 100k and you get, like, 510k and you go through, like, some real horrible gritty mud, that is going to sit on your fork for the next 90k. And every time you move that fork, which is every many times a second potentially it's going to contribute towards that wear and tear so if you go somewhere real horrible give it a scooch likewise drivetrain if you go through like a a real deep muddy puddle and you get a load of mud and grime all over your jockey wheels on your mech, just give it a scooch get the worst of it off it's not going to save everything but it's just going to give you those incremental benefits on a similar note if i'm going for a super long ride in the winter i will take a little bottle of lube with me and a mid-ride reapplication of lube makes everything feel that much better
3: yeah, I mean, that is only applicable, really, if I suppose if you're not like me running a wax, a wax drive train, <laughs> it it's kind of hard to re-lube whilst you're out and about. I mean, it's interesting, you know, as you mentioned going through puddles there, I saw it as a couple of Instagram accounts that I follow, like better shifting, for example, mm-hmm. it's very good. Talking about DI2 systems, for example, like they are water resistant. not waterproof and you do want to be careful you know if you've got a nice set of expensive electronic components on your bike whether they be gears power meters you you know you do want to be careful about riding through puddles and it's probably a kind of line choice Mm -hmm. thing to avoid Uh, do you wash your bike after every single ride in the winter tom
2: Uh, i'd like to do (laughs) (laughs) i am pretty bad for it after i'm not a, a prolific bike washer but I have just got a hot water tap fitted at the outside of my house, wow. so this winter will be the winter of clean bikes. So your bike's
3: getting a hot water shower. Getting a hot wash,
2: <laughs> <laughs> a hot flannel
3: wash. <laughs> okay, and and, and you would, are we? What, how do you guys feel about pressure washers? I'm fine with them. Yeah,
0: I'm absolutely fine with them. Yeah, yeah. Just don't I mean, go mad. Yeah, I don't. You know, don't buy like an industrial scale mm. one that's for you know cleaning the side of indus- insides of industrial tanks. Most. I mean, I just use like a portable. You know, um, low power, kind low of power one. rechargeable. Mm. Um, and, and that's great, you know. And don't aim it at sensitive bits, you know. At least not from
2: close up. Yeah, at least like, from, not from close I up. I think the thing with the pressure wash, so I use a Karch K2, uh, and it's quite similar. I think muckoff have, you know, if you want a bike specific one, Muckoff have got theirs, and there's a couple of other things. And they plug into the electric, and they do, you know, you wouldn't want to touch your finger on the actual jet. But take yourself like I don't know two, three foot away, and actually like it's just a lot of water that just
0: gets blown around a bit. Like so, I mean, mine's like a you know a Ryobi with a plug-in battery because yeah. it also does my drill and my angle rider mm-hmm. and everything else. Um, and and that's really good because it is totally portable. So it's got a hose on it. You can put it in any water source, so in a bucket or whatever. Mm. So you can even sling that in the back of your you know works hydro shop. Yeah, there you go. That's the exactly. Classic, you isn't just, it? Yeah, you just chuck it in the back of your car, and so you can clean your bike before you. Put it on back on the roof or back well on the, you always see them that.
3: doing it at cyclocross pits yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that so it can't yeah okay well that's quite good now you know talking about kind of you know, getting your bike wet and dry and things like that but what are you what are we doing to keep ourselves warm and dry you know like it what about kind of what specific clothing would you guys wear obviously you know warmer clothing that sort of thing but are you going to be kind of like wearing less kind of, you know, say like Lycra tights, for example, and maybe more like of a thicker, maybe more mountain biking kind of trail pants sort of thing. Or where are you, where do you guys sit on that spectrum? I, I do tend to
0: go for like a, yeah, like a mountain bike like trail pant, but uh, tend to go for a kind of lighter one. I don't really suffer that much in the cold. And uh, I don't really mind being, being wet. So I tend to sort of use a lot of light, you know, multiple lighter layers and like more of a shell jacket rather than anything insulated. Um, Decent quality gloves is always really, really important. But the reason I kind of like the kind of mountain bike trail pants is for that reason when you get home, you know, if you're wearing um, tights and you're completely brown, it's quite hard to navigate your house without everything you touch simply turning brown. And then you get shouted at <laughs> worse than the dog gets shouted at and you have to leave. Um, whereas if you're wearing like a pair of trail pants, I literally when I'm washing my bike the minute I get home, I take those off, hang them up, and jet wash them to jet wash all the crud off them before... It all goes into that. It's just like being, you know, being a good uh, uh, house person, housemate or um so you know it's more it's more on the kind of practical choice. And also I think um uh having that like a, a trail pant that's got a little bit of distance from you and your and your skin, if things do turn really bad and you get really, really wet, like wets out so quickly and then you get the wind chill factor and then you're just cold and you're never gonna warm up. Whereas with a trail pant you've got that little bit. You know, there's a In little slight gap, bit of yeah. separation, mm. slight air gap. You know, and so I, I find it easier to kind of maintain warmth. I mean, the one thing I would say is like, I think the best investment you can make is a proper pair of winter boots, because I do, you know, I don't particularly have much against them um, overshoes and things, but um, you will destroy overshoes. Yeah, so I mean quickly. that's going to be one. You'll of literally get through yeah. them. You know, I used to get through like two or three pairs of a winter, you know, mixing mm. it between road and and, and off road and stuff. And it's just like simple things of tears and things like that or zips corroding or, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and also most of the time when you're trying to get them off over mountain bike or gravel shoes, it's a huge fight. And if you're tired at the end of a ride, you've just had to spend 20 minutes off our cleaning your bike. All you want then is just get inside, get warm, drink coffee. And if you're spending 25 minutes fighting with an overshoe that just won't come off and compared to like a decent winter boot we just, oh, they're off now. And also, the winter boots—you can jet wash them, you can clean them, and everything—and then, and so I'd always go for a a well-built winter boot. But again, that's a that's an interesting choice because there are some out there which are, I wouldn't say, built for North European conditions. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, the Italian booties, as it? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's some there's some out there that have some some pretty significant design flaws, whereas there's some out there that are absolutely epic. You know.
3: Do you have any favourite winter clothing for gravel riding, Tom?
2: Yeah, I've got a few, a few bits and pieces, and again, it kind of depends on you know, again, how long you're going to be out for, what you're looking for out of your ride. If I'm going to go for a short blast in the middle of winter, I'm a lycra man. Like, uh, I'm going to go for being wet, but hopefully my body heat sort of almost acting like a wetsuit, and I'll just put up with being a bit wet and grimy. If I'm going for a longer ride, I will probably wear um, trousers. Uh, waterproof trousers, if if needs be, if it's you know if it's really wet and uh, and if it's a wet and cold ride, you know waterproof trousers and maybe a waterproof jacket. If it's a short ride and it's wet, I wear Lycra and like a, a more of a soft shell type thing and just accept that I'm going to get wet, but hopefully I'll start dry. If it's just cold out, nothing better than a primal off pair of shorts over my tights, over sort of thin tights. They're just amazing, um, and I got uh, a sportful super Ligera puffy i think it's called which is like a wild like uh insulated jacket that is stops at your at your, at your elbows and leaves your forearms exposed it looks a bit has it got a hood <laughs> Uh, it's got a thin hood, I think. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's kind of like a Gabba jersey, isn't it? But like, but insulated, insulated, mm. and with a it. hood. It's 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 a weird one. I've seen it. I've seen the pictures of it, and I kind of couldn't work out quite why it doesn't yeah. have sleeves. So, what's the advantage of not um, having sleeves? I think
2: the reason why it doesn't have sleeves is that it keeps the core of your body warm, which is really important. But you, it's very easy to overheat, and actually, your forearms are a really good place to dump a load of heat and regulate temperature. You're, with. you're
3: like a kangaroo, aren't like you? A kangaroo, exactly that. So,
2: yeah, I, I like. You know, I'm a bit of a clothing fiend. I like having exactly the right bit of clothing. I know that's not always possible. So, you know, if if this is your first winter, then I'd say a decent pair of winter tights, maybe like a waterproof short or trouser to go over the top from a mountain bike brand, you know, quite easy to do. A half-decent rain shell and a nice insulated jacket, soft shell, whatever it might be. And that could be from a running brand or whatever,
0: a bit cheaper sort of thing, go to Trespass. I I mean, I you know, I agree. Like On those cold crisp days, I I tend to favour a a decent long sleeve, mm. which can be something like a gabber or a perfetto, um, but over the top, I've got another one from Sportful from I think it was a Gravel range from a couple of years ago, which is basically like a off fronted yeah. gilet. Brilliant, you know. And so it just keeps that the whole front of you warm. Mm. And gilets are great. Like I'm a big, big mm.
2: gilet man. Lover gilet. Also, like I know, sort of like we're talking about the ideals here, and you know, winter boots are brilliant, and I have a few pairs, and I'd agree. There's some brilliant ones out there, and there's some where you sort of thinking it. Did anyone actually ride in the winter in these? Like, what are you thinking? But you know, they're invariably about two hundred quid. A pair of calf-high sealskin socks will do a good job, and you can pair them with some thin cotton socks or merino socks. And you might have to sort of squeeze into your shoes a little bit potentially. But if you don't want to go spending two hundred quid on a pair of winter boots, spend thirty quid on a pair of waterproof socks like calf-high ones, and it'll do a good job. Yeah, I've got the,
0: I've got a few on. To go at the minute, I've got some seal skins, I've got some deck shell mm-hmm. Polaris yeah. do them as well, and I've got the Giro Giro mm. do one, which is actually much thinner weight than most of the rivals. Feels very sock like, but it's actually impressively mm-hmm. impressively water resistant. Yeah, actually, and I, I'll use those on the road as well, you know. And they're I've been really really impressed with them.
3: Now, obviously, if this were a road podcast about winter riding, we'd be talking a lot about mud guards. Mm. Um, is there yeah, you know, this, this this might sound like a newbie question. I hope there are no stupid questions on the podcast, but is there any value in mud guards on a gravel bike?
2: Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Maybe even as much as a road bike. I wouldn't say more so, but as much. Probably know, a different style. A different style yeah. one. Because yeah. if you go for
0: the full classic road one on the worst rides, they're just gonna pack my mud. Yeah. yeah. And then you're bra sk- skirting around trying to find a stick to dig it all <laughs> out with so you can keep going.
2: We're basically talking like a mountain bike mud guard, but for your gravel bike. So ones that sort of strap or you know zip tie or velcro strap to the underside of your fork on, on the inside of it and they'll, they'll go over the top a little bit of electrical tape underneath first bit of tape always yeah <laughs> and then at the back you know there are various options the best i've come across is the mud hugger gravel hugger really i've just
0: been trying the new win wing okay gravel. that's really yeah. quite smart and they've it, you know the, the package is well thought about i mean it comes with basically um, frame protectors mm-hmm. and multiple sets. So if you've got more than one bike, you can actually, nice. you know, so once you get it up, you put your frame protectors on. So, you know, because they just bungee on, they're not going to, as I say, wear holes in your paint. Mm. That sort of stuff. And they have got very, very similar to the hooker, yeah. but yeah, no, quite make smart. A, I mean, you know, in a, if OIS fails, I would still say just an, an ass saver is always good because it will literally, it will save your hindquarters in the back of your jacket to so a certain extent to a certain better than extent. nothing better, better than, than nothing, nothing yeah, yeah.
2: they just they're, uh, mine stays on all winter pretty much like they don't do a huge amount you know, if it's chucking it down with rain you're going to get wet but it's more so when you go out on a dry day where it's been raining mm-hmm. and they just stop so much crap covering the bottom of your legs or your torso or your chest and your arms like they just keep everything a bit cleaner and you a bit drier which keeps you a bit warmer which means you can ride longer more comfortably they look a bit silly Please just has to put up with that. You look a bit silly because you're on a yeah, bike in the middle yeah, of winter.
3: Exactly. Like, you're wearing on. Lycra. That that's always a thing in time trialing. People, you know, there's been a debate. Oh, this is completely off topic. There's been a debate recently about fairings, mm. uh, body fairings in time trialing because a guy from who's sponsored by uh, Aero Coach wore a load of like fairings on his arms and his calves and things like that. And basically, they were like, you know, it's allowed under the rules, and it's really stupid. And so you know, we're going to go to the National Ten and try and start a conversation about mm. it. And obviously people were kind of like, oh, it just looks silly. And it's like, I know guys, but that's not a good reason to ban anything from time travel yeah. because everything yeah. looks silly in time travel. <laughs> <laughs> Squeezing yourself onto a really silly bike with a pointy <laughs> hat and a tight Lycra suit, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old or whatever. <laughs> like you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're into cycling, you can't really, you know, you can't, oh, that looks a bit silly, doesn't it? I can't <laughs> do that. It's like, well...
2: <laughs> we all look silly in the eyes of 99% of the population. Yeah, 99% <laughs> of the population this. see you going
3: through the woods on a, on a silly bike. Like, oh, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Go go to the pub. <laughs> what about, um, you know, things like nutrition and stuff like that? You know, are, are insulated bottles any good, for example? Is there anything you guys are doing differently for sort of food and drink in the winter?
0: Uh, I, no, I don't tend to. I don't tend to. I mean, it's that sort of... Um, I will occasionally take an insulated bottle, but I always think like the worst thing to be drinking you know, when I'm thirsty and I'm working hard is something tepid. Yeah. Sort of like... <laughs> You know, that's, if I'm out for it, like for an all day, or I might, you know, uh, I'll probably actually plan a route where I know there's a there's a coffee stop where they won't mind somebody looking like they've been working on on a farm all day um, walks in there. You know, so if they've got a sort of service hatch, it's obviously a good one. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think one of the rides out from on um, Salisbury Plain, I sort of I head out onto one of the major roads that cuts through it because I know there's a drive through Starbucks. Yeah, so I can go up to the window and not traipse in, covered in mud, and get looked at. Mm. I can just sort of run up to the window and go, "Can I have a coffee?"
2: Anything with a cyclist welcome,
0: yeah, yeah. is a, is a useful place. I have
2: I, I went for a ride the other week with a colleague of ours and uh, came to. A- it's a, it's a little it's garden centres they're great we, we stopped at one middle of nowhere and it had like bike racks outside with locks and you could just go and borrow a key for the lock I was like bloody that's great went in and then there's like all these you know tables and chairs and lots of old women having their cups of tea and stuff and I was like absolutely Kate and, and I was like oh, like, do you want us to go and she, no 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 it's fine just sit down just sit down so I got a load of napkins and I, I coated my seat in a napkin uh, and we you know kept, nice <laughs> kept white off.
3: white Egyptian cotton <laughs> napkin <laughs> exactly that <laughs>
2: but did a good job but yeah. I'm, I do sort of I will pack a, an insulated bottle you know they only sort of work for a couple of hours usually if it's properly cold out there but it is it's a nice little thing and if you are sort of the person you know obviously maybe it's a bit more of a mountain bike thing but I ride out of my van a lot you know drive somewhere and go ride and if you're doing that with gravel there's nothing better than a thermos at the end of the day we get into thermos season now and from, from now on the rest of my rides will be accompanied by a thermos of hot tea with sugar
3: in it oh very nice mm. and what about kind of like you know, spare kit with you. We we kind of touched on like you know Boy Scout stuff earlier, but would you like if you you know if you would you recommend? Taking spare clothing with you, like if you're out and you've got like a frame bag of a little bit of extra space, you know, spare waterproof jacket or spare gloves, you know, we mentioned gloves earlier, a good pair of gloves, but like you know, they can spare get gloves. wet and then they won't keep your hands warm. Yeah.
2: Spare gloves and like, um, you know, latex
0: gloves, if you're going to fix your bike, I quite often will take a little sort of
3: latex yeah, glove thing. Of, I always
0: combine the two. When I'm going out mm. for winter and, I, and the weather's turning really, really shoddy. I will wear a pair of workshop gloves mm. underneath. That's oh, my...
3: starting to sound like a Jack Luke tip. <laughs> I wear a pair of workshop gloves. Get a gloves. plastic bag, lads. Put it on your foot, and then put your I wear on. a pair of workshop gloves
0: <laughs> underneath my winter gloves. Yeah, because they tend to be plastic seal, and so your hands stay dry even if the glove gets soaking wet. Mm. And also, if you've got, you know, tear anything off. So, yeah. and they're much cheaper than liner gloves, which can be really expensive mm. and fragile. Yeah.
3: Any any other general tips for the the beginner gravel cyclist I mean, in winter? As I
0: said, spare lube. Spare gloves,
3: chain spare
2: loop. loop, chain loop, yeah. Maybe like a, a spare little thin shell if you've got space. You know, I'm not one of these people who will go out and fill a frame bag for the sake of a two-hour ride. I, you know, if I'm going for a two-hour ride, it's pockets only, like no more. But um, if you are going to go out all day, you know, just be sensible and you know, make a route. You know, make you stick to your route plan. Have some bailout options. Let someone know where you're going. All the sort of the usual safe stuff becomes a bit more prevalent in winter, especially if you're lucky enough to live somewhere like Mid Wales, the Lake District, the Dales, somewhere a Scotland. bit remote. Yeah, like, just be safe about it because nobody you wants won't to have be phone calling. signal if you're out in the lakes. No, would
0: you? you don't want to be calling mountain rescue because you have got a puncture. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, same as same. You know. I'd always say just have a tube with you because mm. you know it will get you out of a multi- multitude of sins. The only other thing I would say is um, it's all about preparation because there's nothing worse than planning to go for a ride and get up in the morning and looking out the window and going, mm. so night before prep, everything good to go. Mm. So you, there's no excuse. You get up, you put your kit on, you go for a ride. It's mm. not you get up, you put your kit on and go, oh, I need to get that, oh, I need to get that. Oh, my phone's only half charged, so is this and that? You'll always find an excuse not to ride. Whereas if you've got everything prepared the night before, you, know, if you get up, you get on your bike, and mm. you're gone. And by the time you realise it was a bad idea, you're like an hour into it.
3: So it was worth it. Winter
0: miles, summer smiles, and all that sort of jazz. Yep, completely.
3: One, one last question because it just popped into my head. You know, if this was my first season on gravel, and like, you know didn't really have like a specific gravel bike is it still you know obviously in the summer is that you can basically go along a kind of gravel track on any kind of bike right but do you need a specific gravel bike to do gravel cycling in the winter or could you get away with a cross-country mountain bike that if you had a cheap hardtail or something oh yeah yeah yeah
0: completely the only thing I would say is like I wouldn't be going out on a pure road bike on on gravel trails in when- uh, anything that was unmetalled during the winter just because the oil just suffer. Even with- if it was
3: kind of a modern one with like, you know, clearance for 32s or something like my giant TCR, right? You might get away with it, but... Might ruin it. it
2: might ruin it, yeah. Mm. Stick some white tyres on, stick to the roads, just go to the back roads. Yeah. Okay, all right. Or chuck some lights in your bag as well. Sorry, that's my, Oh yeah that's, a, uh, yeah, that's an excellent tip. Take yeah. your lights along. Maybe even have them on all all ride. and make sure when you if you know if you are doing like a particularly mucky ride, clean them off every now and again. When you pop onto some time, just give your rear light a little wipe. Make sure people
0: like. Yeah, I mean, my bar, my bike tends to have like a headlight in it, mm. but a big powerful one. But then, as a matter of course, I'll just have like little bungee on, you know, flashing rear light or a solid white front. I don't like having flashing lights on the front. It just mm. I think it just trip it's epilepsy and yeah. any you know people coming towards you. Whereas right, so if they're behind me, I
3: don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, as luck would have it, I think we've just published a load of light reviews, haven't we? So we've yes. updated our buyer's guide to the best lights available for bikes. So if you haven't seen those, do go to Bikeradar.com. And of course, as always, if you have any comments or questions, you can drop us an email at podcast at or leave a comment on one of our articles on site and we will get back to you as soon as you can. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to our wonderful podcast, for more like this and if you're feeling lovely do leave us a five-star review on your platform of
2: choice can i also add if you have been enjoying our podcast and you have a particular interest in mountain biking don't forget to subscribe to the new mbuk podcast that is also started as a 12-part series looking at the history of mountain biking over the last 35 years and it's bloody excellent
3: absolutely yeah please do also subscribe to that and tell all your friends especially if they're interested in mountain biking or even if they're
0: not
2: or even if, if they're, they're not. not yeah if yeah. you're interested in cycling as like yeah. a genre why are we at where are we at where we're at with bikes
0: I mean if you look at 35 years of, of the history of mountain biking the mountain bike has changed in 35 years beyond all recognition the road bike has been around for over 100 years and they still look like the first road bikes modern mountain bikes don't look anything like the original mountain bikes so that's reason of, I think, <laughs> to <listen> to that. <laughs>
3: well I guess the road bike was just perfected at the start yeah <laughs> 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 all right well yes do go listen to that heartily recommended of course we will all be listening in to that and i'm sure it's a fantastic listen but yeah thank you very much tom for joining me thank you very much warren
2: thank you thanks,
3: and thank you for listening
2: thanks for listening to the bike Rider podcast if you've not done so already please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode